Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Uh, yeah, worship challenged me as well. And um, about halfway through the, the new wine song, I thought, what in the world are we singing this for? Like, I've been crushed enough. I don't want to be crushed anymore. And then Kathy came over and prayed for me about being crushed. And, you know, the the beautiful thing is, is that we have to hold on to the hope that something new is going to come out of that crushing time. Amen. Something different is going to come out of that crushing time, that it's not going to be like it has always been. You know, and then I also agree with Cameron that, Lord, there's nothing better than you except for my comfort. That's it. That's the only thing that's better than you, Jesus, is what most of us can say, right? And I think Mark has a demonstration. He brought grapes out. He was going to show us how to do the crushing. <laughs> I'm just picking on Mark now. <laughs> he went to pull his Bible out and sat grapes over there, and I looked at him like... And he said, if in case I get hungry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, I had something planned, but I feel like I'm supposed to do something different. So um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read part of a story that we all know that uh, hit me this afternoon. And just in thinking about uh, evangelism and, you know what, I 100% agree with Cameron. You cannot learn how to pray without praying, and you can't learn how to talk to somebody without talking to somebody. That's just the way that it is. Um, You know, babies, uh, whenever they're growing, uh, adapt their language by doing what? Trying to speak, trying to talk. And eventually, after like, you know, 10 years, they figure it out. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it takes longer than that. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it takes 40. I'm not there yet. Um, But if they don't try to talk, they never get that. They never learn language. And it's the exact same way in prayer and evangelism. It's just like learning to speak a language. That if we don't do it, we're never gonna never gonna get any better at it. Um, and uh, today I was uh, reading the. Hopefully my phone doesn't die. Um, in John four, the the story everybody knows this story about the Samaritan woman at the well. Right, everybody's heard this. Um, a couple of things stuck out to me that I had not really paid attention to before. Um, It says that Jesus came through Samaria on his way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his sons, Joseph. This is, here's verse six. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So Jesus is walking along and about noontime, he's tired. So he just sits down beside the well. Do you think he knew that this lady was going to be coming out there? Yeah, absolutely. He knew that. 
He could have went with his disciples into town to find something to eat and drink instead of sitting in the hot sun out at this well, knowing that this woman was going to come out. But what was more important to him? She was. He could have easily went in and fulfilled his fleshly need of something to eat and drink, but he chose because he knew somebody would be coming to stay there and wait. So she comes up and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. All right. Then uh, she replied and said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. This next, next part. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this is a very deep well. Where are you getting this living water? And besides, do you think you're, uh, you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? You can offer us better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. I become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I'm sure this lady thought, what is he talking about? Right? Like, yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I want it. I don't know what it is, but I want it. So she said, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And she just opened herself up for Jesus. Go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you uh, aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So she tells him, I must be a prophet, and then goes into something about worship, trying, I think, to escape what was actually happening at hand of him reading her mail. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to this woman, but none of them have the nerve to ask him, uh, what, uh, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? This is the best part to me. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. So at first, she arrived at the well to draw water. She drew her water. Jesus asked for a drink. They had this exchange that she had no idea what he was talking about, the living water. And then he told her everything that she was doing wrong how many of you would have took off running at that point? I would have. I would have been like, this guy's weird. I'm leaving. This is it. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't need the water. And I definitely don't need this guy telling me that I've had five husbands. But Jesus knew that she was coming to that well, looking for something that she didn't even know she was looking for. She had no idea on her way to that well that she was going to find something that would change her life eternally. Amen. No idea. And whenever I think about that, like, 
That'd be the ultimate evangelism tool right there is to just know where people are going to be that are broken. I'm pretty sure we have that everywhere. Right? Who in here would say there has not been a time in your life that you could have walked into a grocery store or into a cafe or into a doctor's office and been at a point in your life that you would have loved for somebody to be able to say something like that to you? I've been at that place plenty of times in my life of not knowing where to go, but wishing that God would just send somebody to me to say what I need to hear. I truly believe that that's what Jesus calls each of us uh, to do with our life is to say, God, on a daily basis, position me in a place that I can see somebody hurting and that you use me to do something in their life. If we lived our life that way, then the kingdom on this earth would look a lot different than it does, wouldn't it? Do you think our society would be struggling with the things that it's struggling with? Probably not. I remember uh, whenever I went through the walk to Emmaus, we used to host a walk to Emmaus at our church in Livingston. And I think it was unlike most walk to Emmaus's because it was like people laying on the floor everywhere and fire tunnels and, you know, crazy Holy Spirit stuff. Uh, we did not go by the manual very well. Um, but I remember uh, on, a, on a walk to Emmaus, uh, you would have to do like skits and stuff after uh, some of the people gave talks. And I can't remember which talk it was, but I vividly remember this skit that we did. And it was really a, a skit of just showing what evangelism would look like if we all operated uh, evangelistically, right? So... It was that there was like four of us up there. Well, each of us went and talked to two people, right? And then they went and talked to, each went and talked to two people. And it was like within 25 transactions, over three or four million people would have been affected by that. Of the willingness of just one person willing to say or to talk to or to pray with two people and encourage them to do the same. Well, can you imagine, I don't know what the numbers are, Cameron might or somebody might, but the number of people that sit in churches on a Sunday morning in America, I bet we would be astounded at that number. And then as John shared this morning, less than 1% have ever led somebody to Jesus. That's like a a gut-wrenching number to think about, that less than 1%. So I'm going to share something with you all. I've only shared this at our church and maybe with two other people. Uh, But it was a vision that I had on November 14th, uh, 2022, so this past November. I'm just going to read you everything that I wrote, and then I'll talk about it. So while I was sitting at my desk in Vandalia, I was praying in the Spirit, and I saw I was automatically taken into an open vision. Only time this has ever happened to me. And in the vision, I was standing in a field of wheat that was being harvested. Now, previous to moving to Michigan, I would not have understood this because I didn't have a grasp for how big the fields here are. Um, But it was a, a huge field. 
like where we lived, we had like about a thousand acres right around us. And it was at least as big as these fields that we lived in. This huge field. And standing in the field was Jesus. And he had a sickle in his hand, but he was just going real slow and just cutting one stalk of wheat at a time. And I said, God, what are you doing? And I heard the Lord say, I'm harvesting the wheat. Uh, And what you're seeing is the separation of the wheat from the chaff. But that's not what I saw. That's not what I heard. All I saw was people attached to these these, uh, wheat plants, and they were crying out. And it was the separating of the people that had truly accepted Jesus from the people that hadn't. So I was seeing people, and as they were being separated, uh, the Lord was saying, I gave you time to have the seed in you, but you only chose to come from the seed and not bear the seed in you. I'm now using the winnowing fork to separate the two. And as I'm watching this, and the Lord continues, just one after another, he's cutting them, and I can hear the cries of the people as this is happening, because all of these people had grown together in church and thought, we're all on the same page, we're all doing the same thing, going the same direction, but living completely different types of lives outside of church. So I can hear these cries, and it was, it was like heart-wrenching for me as I'm standing there. At the same time, uh, they, were, they were together, but as they were being separated, I could hear the, the, the cries of the people saying, no, you can't separate me from them. You know, I've grown with them. They're, you know, they've done ministry with me. They've been on this walk with me. All of these things that we look at each other as. And as the, the, the plant grew, every, all of these people that I could hear, I could hear the desperation in their voice, and I could hear them saying, but we're all one plant. And Jesus said, that's right. We're all, it's all one plant, but there's always wheat and there's always chaff. That you, you have to do a separating of those. That it looks the same as it's growing until it's time to harvest it. The Lord then looked at me and said, this is a representation of the church. There are many that have been produced from the original seed, which is Jesus, and had a chance to have it grow in them to reproduce, but they chose to not allow it to grow because it meant going through changes as it grew. That The chaff looks the same the entire growth process, but the seed changes. I could hear with every piece of wheat the cries as I stood there and asked, is there anything that can be done for the wheat you haven't gotten to yet? Like I said, this was an enormous field. He said, yes, but that means changing everything that the chaff has believed about me in church. And then this was probably the most startling thing to me because as I'm looking, like I could see the sun shining you know, it was like Jesus' face was the sun shining. I could see his body. And then behind him, way in the back of the field, 
I could see harvesting machines lined up in the back of the field with smoke coming out of them, like they were running, but they weren't moving. They were ready. And I said, uh, so there were these harvesting machines in the distance. They were sitting there running, but they had not started working. And he said, that, he said I'm giving the, time, the church more time before they begin to harvest at a much quicker rate. The vision ended. And I asked the Lord uh, what the difference between the seed and the chaff was. And he said they both experienced the growth and watering, but only the seed is a product of accepting the fullness of growing into what God created it to be. And he said that's the meaning of being born of the water and of the Spirit. And so as, I, as this happened and then uh, the next month and a half, my life changed uh, drastically and quickly. And since then, I have felt this weight uh, and anybody in here, you can say that you feel it like of, of like uh, uh, we need to have a readiness about us that Jesus is going to do something. And if we're not prepared for it, it's going to pass us by and we're not going to uh, be a part of it. Like, like there's this expectation inside of me that's like, we need to be ready to move because God's doing something. Obviously, like, you know, our, our world has jumped off a cliff at a very fast rate and is going spiraling down faster and faster all the time. The problem is, as, as believers, as people in church, we're willing to come here on Sunday morning and be in church with each other, but it's so difficult that we, we aren't willing to actually take what we're getting here and go out there with it. I'm as guilty as anybody of that. Right? Who in here says you, you have plenty of time in a day to make sure you focus on going out and evangelizing? Nobody does. Our, our, our lives are packed so full with stuff that uh, sometimes I have a hard time wondering if I've you know, taken enough breath today or not. But I feel this expectation and this weight of other people's lives should matter enough to me Amen. that I'm willing to, to say, okay, I, I may not have time to actually go out and knock on people's door, but I have time to be like Jesus was. I, I equate this with, you know, standing in the line at the grocery store. Jesus was sitting on the well no different you can look in the eyes of the girl checking you out or the guy checking you out and see if there's something that they're looking for just by looking at them you can ask god like give me a uh, some revelation knowledge about something in their life that i can ask them about or you can just say hey it looks like you're having a bad day is there something i can do for you Nine times out of ten, they're going to have no idea what you can do for them, but then you can let them know. I've got something that you really need. 
You may not know you need it, but I know you need it. And I know it's completely the, the culture. I was very culture shocked when we moved here because uh, I've lived in the South my entire life. And so the culture is very different here than uh, in, you know, backwoods Tennessee where we live. Um, the, you're not going to encounter a person where we live that hasn't been to a church service somewhere sometime and heard a, a fire and brimstone message and gotten saved 14 times in 12 weeks. Um, that's just, that's how it is where we come from. But it's amazing how many of those people still live in the place that this girl in this passage was in, that nobody knows what they've been through because nobody's willing to ask them what's going on in their life. I, I know that there are people that walk in here every Sunday in this very room carrying burdens that they feel like they can't carry or they don't want to carry anymore. And sometimes all people want to be asked is, how are you doing? Are you okay? How's it going for you? Is everything okay? Maybe you know that somebody's been through something. I think one of the greatest downfalls uh, of the church today is assuming people are okay because they smile at church on Sunday mornings. I smile, I've smiled at churches Sunday morning so often and been dying inside. I've preached on Sunday mornings and been dying inside. The, the one thing that this girl did that was amazing to me was she knew how broken she was. She knew the stuff in her that needed to be healed. When Jesus pointed it out, she didn't run from him or, or try to hide the fact that, that she, like, I'm pretty sure she was like, wow, that's amazing. You know everything about me, Right? I don't know about you, but at that point, Jesus said that I experienced that living water. I would have been like, this is fantastic. I'm going home and I'm not telling anybody about this. <laughs> Nobody's going to know. Oh, but she just went and spilled her junk to everybody. You need to go meet this guy that just told me about the five husbands I've had and the guy I'm living with now. She did not care because she experienced a, a real uh, change in her life in a moment that oh, way outweighed the things that she, she dealt with in her past. So often as Christians, we let our past dictate what our future is going to look like way more than we allow the living water that Jesus gives us to dictate what our future is going to look like. And we allow those failures to then stand in the way of us praying or evangelizing or doing anything that Jesus asks us to do. I, um, for a year, uh, this has been about, uh, Parks is 14, so 13 years ago. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. I did an internship with Rick Bonfin Ministries in Georgia. And they do mission trips, short-term mission trips to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 
And so I, I was in charge of setting up those trips a lot of times. And I constantly had people call the office wanting information about the trips. Well, and the trips were very basic. They weren't like about going and building anything. They were all like uh, about inner healing for the people that were coming on the trip. And so we had like four hours of Bible study in the morning. Lunch, we would do something in the community in the afternoon and go to a church that night. They were like super packed trips. And they would say, okay, all right, yeah, that sounds good. What do we do at the church? Well, you're the prayer team. I can't do that. Everybody, everybody would say the same thing. I, I can't do that. Why not? I'm not in a good enough place to do that. Perfect, you're in the right place. Every one of them I'd say that to. And if somebody would call and I would say, you're gonna be the prayer team, they're like, great, I love praying for people. I'd say, maybe you should go on a different trip. And I, th that's just the way that I handled it because I knew that God would use the broken people to change other people's lives way faster than people that thought they had it all together. This is a, a great example of that. A lady that her life is falling apart, Jesus sets free in an instant, and the first thing that she wants to do is go and tell people how he set her free. He didn't, she didn't just keep it in for herself, and I love that it was a woman. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> And so when we would go on these, these mission trips, I loved watching people because uh, the, the way that we prayed there was either all the whole team, and it was usually like between 15 and 40 people would go. Like uh, some of the trips were huge amount of people. And, and Rick would either say Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. That was just his two things. Nobody in Portuguese knew what that meant. Um, and so Coca-Cola just meant you lined up here in a line, and then he would make an altar call. And in Brazil, whenever you make an altar call, you know who comes to the altar? Everybody. So we would be in a room with 600 people, and everybody would come to get prayed for. And all of those people that said, I am in no place to be able to pray for people, would be all alone praying for people by themselves. And you know what? I would always watch those people that felt the most uncomfortable with wanting to do that. I don't know what to say. Well, they're not going to know what you say anyway. They speak a different language. It's okay. Like, just say Jesus over and over and over if you have to. What you say doesn't matter. They're coming here to meet Jesus, not you. Okay? So you just say whatever you want to say over and over and over. Okay? That's all that you have to do. And to watch some of these people do that, and people just... And they'd be like, <laughs> you know, and then afterward, I'd talk to him. How was that? I don't know what happened. Well, Jesus, you know, used you to, to help somebody else. That's pretty cool, right? But how can he use me? I'm, I'm too broken. I, my, my life's a mess. Well, that's good because he doesn't care what your life is like. He can use you just the way that you are. Amen. We have this idea in church that, yeah, when I get to this certain place, in my life, then I'll be an evangelist. Then I'll pray for people. And the Bible teacher there had one of the best sayings ever. Whenever people would push back against that, like right before we'd go to a church service, they would say, but I don't know what to say. Or, or I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she would say, I don't know what I'm doing either. So you just fake it until you make it. You just do it. But if you have the right 
posture of your heart to say, Jesus, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm going to stand here and I'm going to pray for this person or I'm going to knock on this door. And whenever it opens, God, I need you to do something because I'm just going to stand here and stare at him if you don't do something. Then God works every time. If we could start living our life out of the place of who Jesus is instead of in the place of our own brokenness, God would do some amazing things in the church in America. He would do some phenomenal things in the church in America. But the one thing that we have to do, I think John may have said it this morning, is get over ourselves. We have to. It's not about me or what I know or what I can do or the talent that I have or the ability that I have. This whole thing is about Jesus. The only, the only thing that we have in it is do we care enough for other people's lives that we're willing to give our life to do it? That's it. Are other people important enough to us that we're willing to do it? I've had some super hard things uh, happen in my life, in ministry even. I mean, I think everybody knows what happened in Vandalia whenever I left there. Um, But there have been other things in my life. I, I, I pastored two little tiny, like tiny little Methodist churches in Tennessee, like 30 people in one, and that was busting at the seams. Um, and seven people at the other, and the you know the the median age at the second one was like eighty four years old. It was vibrant. There was a there was a man there, sweet old guy. I loved him to death. Um, he was eighty nine years old, and he he told me one Sunday because I said, Warren, how long have you been going to church here? And he said, Well. Earliest I can remember is building fires in the furnace downstairs when I was nine. So for 80 years, I've been going to that same church, which was amazing. But the problem was, at a median age of that, I probably could have asked them, how many people have y'all led to Jesus? And they would be in the 1%. Because the church in America, no offense, thinks that people get saved from somebody speaking here, and they don't. They don't. They get saved from the the pastor equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And you know what? The pastor is also one of the saints. And so just like the, the pastor stands here on Sunday and speaks and is equipping everyone here to go out and do that, then the pastor does the same thing, right? John told you all last night, we've knocked on thousands of doors in the past 10 years and saw God do some phenomenally amazing things and saw nothing happen lots of times, but it didn't matter. The person behind the door was more important than the way I felt or anything else. I'm going to tell one story. From we used to have a food uh, a food bank, yeah, at our church, and uh, we completely changed the way that it worked uh, after John started doing it, and it was life group based. So they had to come, sit in a circle, uh, 
hear somebody talk, answer a question, then they could get food. And that like dropped 70% when that started. Um, it was amazing. You make people do something to hear about Jesus and they're no longer hungry. Um, but one week, I don't even remember why, I would come by sometimes and, and, and speak before the life groups would start. And we had happened to walk outside and there was a, the driveway kind of went down and then there was a big open uh, parking lot. And we saw that there was a, a man and woman standing next to a car about halfway down the parking lot. And John said, hey, let's, let's go talk to them. So we went over there, started talking to them. Neither one of them were believers. Um, they were just there to get food. And um, the girl didn't really want to have anything to do with us talking to her or praying for her or anything. Like she just, she wanted us to leave them alone. Um, but the guy said, well, I've, I've went to church before and stuff. And, and so we said, well, can we pray for you? Is there anything you need prayer for? And his hand was like drawn up and he said he had neuropathy in his hand from some accident at work. And, and so we were like, okay, well, we'll pray for that. And so we prayed for him. And he, he was like, oh, I can, I can move my fingers a little bit. And so we prayed again, and, and he was like, oh, man. Well, I can feel it, too, like his, his hand got healed like that. And so we were like, that's phenomenal. That's amazing. We left, right? That was awesome. That, was a, that made my day. I could have went home and went to bed. Um, about two months later, I think it was, John calls me one Wednesday, because that's when the uh, food bank happened. Called me on a, this Wednesday and said, "Hey, hey, hey, Mike, do you remember that guy that was doped out of his mind with his girlfriend in that car that we prayed for his hand?" And I said, "Yeah, the guy that that couldn't feel his hand and then it, it worked and everything." He said, "Yeah," and I said, "Yeah, I, I remember that guy." And he said, "You'll never believe this." And I said, "What?" He said, "I saw him today." And I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, he came back to the food bank to thank me." And I said, "Oh, that's awesome." He said you'll never believe this. And I said, what? He said, he's completely off of drugs. He's working at a bank. He was wearing a suit, came to me to shake my hand and say, thank you for for changing my life. I believe we were on our way to eat lunch somewhere. And so we could have made the Mexican meal more important than the guy standing in the parking lot very easily. Yeah, usually we do. Now the Mexican restaurant is in the same plaza, so it's easier. Um, But I I truly believe 100% every single believer, we're, we're in this thing called the priesthood of all believers, right? Every one of us is called to do the same things, right? Some people are gifted to do other things, right? A pastor, a teacher, evangelist, that are giftings that we get, but we're all called to deliver the good news, all right? So however that we have to do that, it's for us to do, We can't rely on somebody else to do that. And if there's no greater time to feel uh, the urge of that in our life, it's now. I truly believe that. There is an urgency for people to know Jesus now like there never has been before. But we just have to at least be willing to say, okay, God, I submit to to the fact that 
you want to use me. So often we think God doesn't want to use us, and that's a lie. Every single person sitting in here, if you're still breathing, God wants to use you. If you're not breathing, raise your hand. (laughs) Two kids, I knew it. They've been holding their breath the whole time. (laughs) So I think to end, uh, I think they got some music to play. But what I want to pray for is that if you're even willing, even if you think, there's no way I'm doing it. I'm not going to go out and, and talk to people about Jesus. But I'm willing to say, God, I'll, I'll see if you'll even give me a hunger for that. I want to pray for you about that tonight. But if you really want God to, to ignite something in you that other people's lives become important to you, we definitely want to pray for you for that. Uh, I, want to, I want Cameron... Uh, to, to, to call us and say, you'll never believe how many people have come and told me who they, they prayed for this week or who they talked to about Jesus this week. Yeah. And just like he challenged, I think it was this morning, to talk to one person, man, I would encourage you to have that as like a daily goal. You know what? You're not going to meet it every day. But if, you, if that's on your mind every day, then you're probably going to meet it more times than not. If it's not on your mind, you're not going to do it. If it's nowhere in your scope of thinking that Jesus is going to allow me to run into somebody today that needs him, then you're not going to ever do it. I love the fact that you can pray for 100 people for healing, and 99 of them couldn't get healed, but one of them could. If you pray for zero, you know how many is going to get healed? Zero, nobody. If you talk to nobody, there's no chance of them uh, knowing Jesus like you do. Uh, It's super simple math. Zero plus zero equals zero. If we do nothing, there's no gain in that. And so uh, I think they're going to turn some music on so that the, the band can be prayed for as well. And uh, I'll ask Cameron and John, and if Mark wants to come up here, I did notice that Mark kept his shoes on during worship. Oh, in that shirt, you reformed? Sorry. I would wear it too if I had one. Uh, yeah, so, so I just want to pray that, that Even if you have an inkling that I might want a hunger to see that happen in my life, I want to pray that that hunger grow, that you experience something new tonight. When you wake up tomorrow morning, that that's on your mind to say, there's somebody that God's going to put in my path that I can can speak to today or I can pray for today. I don't know how uh, standoffish people in Kalamazoo are because I don't live here about praying for them. But I I rarely run into somebody that if you ask if you can pray for them, that they say no. Some people do, but that's okay. You just pray silently as they're walking away. Uh, So uh, everybody stand, and uh, we're going to ask the, the, yeah, Cameron, the ministry team to come up, uh, and then anybody that wants just to be that, that hunger-fueled 
Or maybe you don't have that, that hunger at all, but you say, God, I'm going to test you to see if you'll give it to me. I dare you to come up here. Double dog dare, Double dog dare you. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for tonight, Lord. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, yeah, just ignite hearts right now, Lord. Ignite hearts right now, Jesus. Even before people come up, God, they feel a difference in their heart towards even the idea of reaching lost people. That you have called all of us to that, Jesus, to reach lost people. And we live in a world full of lost people. Full of lost people, Lord, that need you, Jesus. I just pray that uh, an exponential growth in the love for others in our hearts, Lord. An exponential growth in the love for others, Lord. That, that we would learn how to love people even where they're at like you did, Jesus. That you would, you would allow us to be able to speak truth like you did to the Samaritan woman and offer her what she was looking for, God. That you would give us the ability to do that. Yeah, just grow that love in us for others, God. Give us eyes to be able to see when, even when we walk into church and see people hurting, that we make sure people are okay. Let us all feel that same urgency, Lord, to reach the lost. Let us feel that urgency, Lord. Now shut the